0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 83, Understanding Your Parents' Journey. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And, and have, have harmony, harmony in the home. So I have a quote, of course, and I also have an email. You're going to D-I-E die when you hear it. It's to my mom when I was in the middle of my unconsciousness. It's from 2011 she was babysitting. I think we're going to start with the email because I'm cleaning out my emails because I'm thinking, okay, I've gotten organized in my closet and the stuff in my closet is bringing me joy, but I wanted to get digitally organized too. So I cleaned out a bunch of old emails, like 5,000 old emails that I really didn't know what to do with. Some were just junk mail and some were important and sentimental and I wanted to keep them. So I wanted to file those away. So Took a long time, just like the closet did, but oh my lightness to go in my inbox and just see the emails there that are new. And I'm unsubscribing to so many mailing lists like Party City, Bed Bath & Beyond, like all the things. Even though I love those places, I just don't want the emails. And if I wanted coupon code, I will Google it. So this is an email I wrote to my mom on November 3rd, 2011. It's right around our anniversary. So I'm guessing that she babysat for, is Grady born yet? Yeah, he's born. He's about one and she's about three. And it's so embarrassing, but it also shows how unconscious I was. Because remember, we all have different levels of unconsciousness and we all have different levels of what makes us a good parent. Like we make up this mysterious, arbitrary, fake rubric And then we use our children as a guide and as a measurement, so to speak, of how we're doing as a parent. And so some parents will be unconscious, and they'll think that they're a good parent if blank. So fill in that blank for you, and you'll see how much you're torturing yourself. So it could be, I'm a good parent if my kids are good at sports. Or I'm a good parent if my kids get straight A's. I'm a good parent if my kids are on the honor roll. I'm a good parent if... My kids are confident, so plug and play here. My big unconscious thought, which plagued me for years, years, I tell you, and you'll see in this email, my unconscious thought that created so much suffering, because I don't know if you know this, you can't control other humans. You can when like, they're like zero to nine months, but after that, they have their own free will and they're supposed to have their own free will, so it's a good thing. So my unconscious thought that was causing me so much reaction was, I'm a good parent if my kids are happy. In the world, are we talking about? Well, I had one who was filled with anger and one who was filled with sadness, like cried all the time. So I didn't feel like I was doing a good job very often because I wasn't focused on my side of the street. I was so hyper focused on their side of the street. I'm talking like hyper focused. So she probably babysat. This is on a Thursday, so we traditionally don't go out for date nights during the school week. And I was working in the schools at this time, so definitely a school night, no way. So I'm thinking we went out the Saturday prior, so this is on a Thursday, I sent her this email. And it's so laughable because it shows how worried I was about their happiness because I thought good parents had happy kids. So then if your kids are happy, that means you're doing a good job as a parent. Now, as you know, and I hope you've learned on this podcast, is that your children... And their behavior and their mood swings or their crying or their sadness or their anxiety has nothing to do with you and your worthiness and your value as a parent. If I could scream that from a rooftop, that would be amazing. Because what happens is you're able to detach and see the child as having a hard time versus giving you a hard time. When my students in first grade couldn't read, I didn't say, oh, I'm a bad teacher. I'm like, oh, this kid's having a hard time reading. Let's give him more strategies. Oh, let's teach her more strategies. Maybe the books we're giving her are too hard. Maybe they're too easy. So I got super curious, and it was like a word puzzle to try to help this child. Same thing works with our own kids. The problem is we have these egos and these brains that want to create these unconscious thoughts and unconscious patterns that don't even belong to us. So this is my email to my mom. LP. David, I used to call her a little person. He still does sometimes. I'm like, she's 12. She's not an LP anymore. So it's the subject is LP. This is So embarrassing. This is all I say. Mom, was Lily super whiny and crying while you're babysitting this weekend? Was she having tears for no apparent reason? Because that's all I get. Sigh. What a victim I was. Poor me. My child cries. Even though I'm not teaching her any things about emotions and how to manage her emotions, I'm just upset when she cries. So it was almost like when she got upset, then I got upset too. So I matched that emotion and guess what it did? It made it worse. It was like gas on the fire. Of course, my mom writes back. She's trying to make me feel better, but I'm like, oh great. Now I'm really failing. My dream mom is not having a problem. So that means it must be me. It must be Lily. Lily doesn't like me. Like I was the child. Like I was in emotional childhood so much. She says, my mom says, She writes me back eight minutes later. She's such a sweetie. Mom says, no, she wasn't. The only time was at bedtime. She wanted you so badly. She had a lot of distractions with Grace there too. That's her cousin. But I would never say that she was whiny that weekend at all. The only time I can remember, she got kind of obstinate when we were at the park by the water park and it was at the end of the visit and it was time to go. And she pretty much dug her heels in, literally in the sand and didn't want to leave. No crying or anything, just stood there when we said, let's go, Lily. Kind of looked at us sideways, not directly. We were almost walking out of the gate and she just stood there. Then all of a sudden, after a while, she just started walking. It was so funny. I am literally dying because that whole staring at you sideways, frozen in the sand, Do you know how triggered that would have made me? And I would have been like, listen, listen, little girl, you're not going to mess with me. I wouldn't have said that, but I would have had that energy, which would have made her stand there even longer. But my mom, who's a grandparent, who's super detached, and Grace, the cousin, also detached. They have no ego. They think it's funny. They can see it for what it is. She's three. Of course she's going to do that. Of course she wants to stay on the playground. Who wouldn't? Wouldn't you when you were three? So I just think it's so funny to look back and I can even look at pictures. We do chat books and I'm obsessed with chat books and I'll look at old chat books, which is pretty much, you sync up your computer to one of your social medias or to your photo albums in your phone. And so chat books, will just collect those pictures and put them into an album for you along with the captions. And then once you get to 60 pictures, they'll send you an email and say your chapbook is ready. And then you can go and edit it and choose the cover. You have three days. And then they send you this beautiful book of like the last 60 pictures that you took. It is amazing. So I have it hooked up to my Instagram. So it's so funny because I look at old pictures back when I was unconscious and I can see pictures and I can see it in my face how stressed I was because she dug her heels in or she clung on my leg when we were at Chuck E. Cheese, or he ran off and got lost. Grady was a big runner when he was little. So it's just so funny how stressed out that used to make me because I was so caught in ego and lack and fear and worthiness that I was using my kids almost like as a pawn to tell me how I was doing. And I was miserable because they were acting age appropriately. And I think that's sometimes something that we all forget. They are acting age appropriately, and based on their age, based on their stage, based on their skill level, they are acting in accordance to where their next learning lesson is. Kind of like Grady right now, he's doing multiplication and he came home last night and he's like, you won't believe this mom. I am now multiplying three digits times three digits. Can you believe it? I'm only used to doing three digits times two digits. So, of course, it's going to be hard for him because it's new. Just like three digits times one digit used to be tricky for him. Now he's doing three digits times three digits, and it's like he's learning. And then in a couple months, he's going to be like, now I'm doing four digits times four digits. Can you believe it? So, when you think of your child and their life on a continuum— then you kind of like let go of the process and the control and the fear because it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to. And then when they can't do the three digits times three digits, then you get more assistance. You get more help. You get a tutor. You practice more. You do flashcards. You get apps. You get super curious and not furious that they don't know four digits times four digits. Do you see how that works? Because one digit times one digit used to be hard for him. Now he can do that in his sleep. It's kind of like video games and that's how our life is. We're always evolving to the next level and that's how it's supposed to be. Not that something's wrong and we need to go to the next level. It's like, no, something's right and we're ready for the next level. It's so empowering to teach that to our kids and then also know that within ourselves. So the topic of today is understanding your parents' journey because I really want you to have some type of peace with your childhood because this inner childhood work that we're doing is so hard and it's also so beautiful because it's so freeing. And Maria Montessori says, everything that you say to your child is absorbed, cataloged, and remembered. Remember, we are writing on the slate of who they are with all our tones, our moods, our looks, our glances, our glares, Yes, we want to worry about what we're thinking and talking to them about, but we also want to focus on the nonverbal because that factors in almost 93% of all communication is the nonverbal communication. There are so many things that you can convey through your energy, and we know that now Now that we're a parent, we can kind of see what it was like for our parents when they were raising us. Now, this inner child work has brought on an onslaught of so many people feeling so damaged and so broken and so hurt from the pains of their past. And so, when someone says something like, Your parents did the very best job that they could, people are very triggered by that because they think that what happened to them, if they were abused, whether it was verbally, physically, sexually, it's almost like blaming the victim, like that happened to you because it was supposed to. And I never, ever, ever want you to think that if you were abused physically, verbally, sexually, or with energy, a general overall neglect, I never want you to think that it had anything to do with you and your worthiness and your value. The podcast I did about Your Parents Lied to You, was super freeing for people because when we're little, we think everything that our parents say is gold, is the Bible, is truth. And what I want to encourage you to know is that if you were to put me in your home growing up, or you were to put your best friend in your home growing up, or you were to put someone that you value and you love and you think hung the moon, think of that person. If you were to put that person in your home growing up, they would have received the same exact treatment that you did. It is never okay It was not okay that it happened to you. I just want to let you know that it had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with your parents and the way that they felt about themselves projected onto you. But remember, your worthiness and your value was given to you the day that you were born. No one, no thing, no experience can make that brighter or make that dimmer. So when you are a child, you're in emotional childhood, which is normal. You think everything that your parents said to you was fact, was like saying the sky is blue. It's kind of like Grady when the ELVES were flying around the month of December. He never even questioned it. He never even thought twice that maybe this doesn't really make sense because he's in emotional childhood. He's in fourth grade. He's 10 years old, and he doesn't even think to question anything that we're telling him because it is fact. He lost a tooth on his birthday, and $10 was left on his 10th birthday by the FAIRY, and he never thinks to second-guess that. Like, hey, logically, let's think this through. Because he's an emotional childhood. So think about that little girl or that little boy inside of you that was living in that home. If it was less than ideal, which I'm hearing from so many of you that it was. It was less than ideal and you took it as fact. Just like the Tooth Fairy, just like the Elves, just like S-A-N-T-A, just like the Mensch on the Bench, just like the Easter Bunny, and so on and so forth but it had nothing to do with your worthiness or your value. It had everything to do with your parents. You can put any child in that environment, and they're going to have the same experience. Now, some children in unhealthy environments, it's fight, flight, or freeze. They either get super rebellious and get louder and get bigger because they're trying to defend their throbbing spirit, or they become a people pleaser. They become a do-gooder because they don't want to rock the boat. They don't wanna make any waves. It's such a stressful environment that if they sneeze wrong and don't cover up with their elbow, fireworks are gonna go off. So they're walking on eggshells and so they're just like, peace at any price, I will do what I have to do and I will give up my throbbing spirit. So you were probably one of those two children if the home was less than ideal, or if it was toxic, or if it was abusive, or it was up and down, like you never knew if it was gonna be a good day or a bad day. So you kind of walk through life on eggshells like, ooh, what's today gonna be like? Are mom and dad fighting? Is dad working? This is where you plug and play those situations. And then you look at that little girl and that little boy in that environment. And now that you're stepping into emotional adulthood, you can see it with your big people eyes and your grown-up eyes and your developed brain. And you can say, hey, that was so awful what happened to me. And that was so unfair. And that was so ridiculous. And that was not okay. And it's almost like you're standing up for that little girl now or that little boy and you're letting her know it was not okay. You were a victim, you didn't know any different, you didn't have anything to compare it against, you took it as factual and it was not okay, and it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with my parents and how they were raised, what their unconscious thinking was, what their scars were, the little girl inside of them, the little boy inside of them. So when they're yelling at you, it's really them yelling at their parents or them yelling at their lack because they might've been stuck in emotional childhood. Do you see how this is passed on from generation to generation? And so what my goal and my hope on this podcast is that you never, ever, ever think that it had to do something with your worthiness and your value. That if you would have been a better kid, gotten better grades, been more popular, been a different weight, been a different socioeconomic status, gotten in less trouble at school, X, Y, Z, because when we're little, we make everything our fault we're very egocentric when we're little and that's age appropriate. So if your kids are thinking all about them, that's normal because they're trying to figure out this whole world and like, where do I fit? What's going on? And so they're all consumed with themselves because they're supposed to be. They're trying to figure out their way and it's hard for them. So think about that little girl and that little boy inside of you that was living in that environment. Now we're raising these little girls and these little boys. So now they're in our environment. And so just like your parents' journey and everything that they went through, and the way that they treated you had nothing to do with you, fast forward to you in emotional adulthood, your children and their journey has nothing to do with you and your worthiness. You can put any kid in your environment, in your home, and they're going to get the same exact treatment based on how you feel about yourself, how your spouse feels about themselves, projected onto your child. You can put Lily and Grady in your environment, you're going to behave the same way if you're not liking the way you're behaving because it has nothing to do with the child. It has everything to do with the inner work that we need to do first in emotional adulthood to project onto our child. That's why I'm always running groups that have to do with feeling good in your skin, a parenting boot camp to stop yelling, a marriage boot camp to have more kindness between you and your spouse. I do those groups every single stinking and honking and month because I know the key to the kingdom— And the key to happiness is through the hearts of the parents. Because when you can have the hearts of the parents step into emotional adulthood and see their own childhoods with grown-up eyes and be like, that was ridiculous what happened to me, and it had nothing to do with me. So you can actually detach that all that conditioning and all that programming and all that brainwashing had nothing to do with you, and you're detaching, and you're seeing yourself as worthy and whole and full— And you can see it through grown-up eyes and see your parents in a light where they were just stuck in emotional childhood. And that's what happens when you don't do the work to get out of emotional childhood. You get stuck in emotional childhood. I'm constantly going back and forth between the two. But a lot of times, toxic environments like that, they're stuck in emotional childhood because they were never taught the skills to get out. They were never taught the skills that other people don't hurt our feelings, that we're in charge of our feelings. But when we're little and we're impressionable and we believe everything around us, we think, oh, this is factual, but it's really not. It's about them, not about you. So now we're a grown up and now we're parents. Some of you are. I have a lot of college people listening, which is awesome. I would love this work. When I was in college, so as you were growing up, your parents' journey was their parents' journey and had nothing to do with you. Just like now, we're fast forward, you're now the parent. Your parent, the journey that you're on, has nothing to do with your child. It has everything to do with you. And that's why I hope this podcast gives you so much empowerment and so much self love to work on yourself, and work on the relationship you have with yourself, and keeping words to yourself, and having discipline, and having a good relationship with yourself, and talking nicely to yourself, and treating yourself nicely, and knowing what the ego is, and knowing that the ego never goes away, and it's there to protect you, and loving your ego, even though the ego sometimes isn't very kind. So if you're still having arguments with your parents, and they're yelling at you, and they're screaming at you, and you're a grown adult, or they're being nasty, or they're saying something about your parenting, or they're saying something about what you do or don't do, or who you married, or who you divorced, or how you live your life. Just know that that all comes from their emotional childhood, and that all comes from the little girl and the little boy inside of them that are scared of messing it up so they're trying to be hyper-focused and hyper-controlled in your life so they don't feel like a failure as a parent. Does that make sense? Because we're all walking around worried, am I good enough, am I valuable, am I worthy, am I seen, am I heard? And then if they don't feel that within, they go externally to look for that worthiness. They're going outside of them to find that value. And so sometimes they project that onto their kids and even though they're grown adults, they could be doing it now as grandparents. And that's okay that they're doing that because then you can see it with a different light and it has nothing to do with you. So they might be uncomfortable seeing you uncomfortable and they never taught you what to do instead. Just like when I was struggling with infertility for so many years, nobody knew what to say to us. They would just say, just relax, just adopt, just go on a baby vacation, go on a honeymoon, go on a second honeymoon, just relax, just relax. It's almost like blaming the victim. So I never want you to think that what happened to you as a child was your fault. Nothing you did Nothing you said, nothing you didn't say, nothing you didn't do could have changed what they were experiencing because it had nothing to do with you. So now that you know that you can detach, you can unlink, you can see that it has nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with them. It's almost like you want to understand the motive behind it. So then you go back even further. And if you know their parents or your grandparents, you can kind of see like, oh, that's how they were raised. That was the conditioning. That was what they were told. That was the messaging they got. They were told that they needed to be successful. So that's why they work so much. Or they were told that they needed to be a better child and they didn't feel like they're good enough. So that's why they drank so much. And not to make it okay, but to understand the motive, like Dave and I watch a lot of true crime and the they're always... Asking what the motive, what the motive, what the motive, what the motive is, and when you hear the motive, it's kind of anticlimactic because it's like, well, nothing would ever justify this killing or this robbery, and it, you don't ever think that it justifies the means, but it helps you understand that it had nothing to do with the victim; it had everything to do with the person needing money or being on drugs or having being desperate, or there was a love triangle, or they were feeling like they were losing, so they had to do something desperate. And it never makes it okay. It's kind of like, why'd you punch her? Well, she punched me first. There's never a good reason that says, oh, that's a good reason to punch her. When I'm talking about kids on the playground. There's never a good reason, but you understand that it has nothing to do with you and you're not letting it affect you and carrying it on and repeating the pattern because you know that your child and their journey has nothing to do with you you have to worry about your side of the street and that you're stepping into emotional adulthood, so then you can project that onto your kids. Because when you see that you're a miracle, when you see that you are a gift, when you see that you are whole, when you see that you are worthy and full and amazing and wonderful, just like your children see you as is, then you can project that onto your kids, I was counseling students in the schools, and sometimes their parents were in jail for really, really awful crimes. And their love for their parents was so unconditional because kids come to us and all they know is love. All they know is unconditional. All they know is you are amazing, I love you just as you are. So they are here to remind us of what we already knew when we were little. Because you don't see a two-year-old walking around going, am I worthy, am I valuable, am I good enough? They're like full of confidence, full of self-esteem, and full of love. Because when you're full of love, then that's all you give to other people. You have all this love to give, and that little girl, little boy still lives inside of you. And sometimes, based on experiences, the heart starts to say, hey, you know what? I got hurt when I opened up, so I'm going to close off. And then another thing happens. I'm going to close off some more. I'm going to close off some more. I'm going to close off some more. And then it's to a point where then you have this child who's nothing but radiation and love. And so your your heart starts to get cracked, and your heart starts to get cracked, and your heart starts to get cracked. And then the child raspberries you and you're like, whoop, going back in, going back in, going back in. But your child is doing what's age appropriate because all they know is love and they're here to remind us to come back to love. So I hope this helps to know that what happened to you when you were little, if it wasn't okay, it wasn't okay. And it had nothing to do with you. You can put any child in that environment and they would have gotten the same exact treatment. Put your best friend there, put me there, put someone that you love that's famous there, put them in that environment, and they would have had the same exact treatment. And so you can come at that experience not with it was okay and I forgive you, it's more of it had nothing to do with me, had nothing to do with my worthiness, had nothing to do with my value, and now I'm grown up, I can see it with the big girl eyes or the big boy eyes, and I can have that reconciliation between the two. And now that you're in emotional adulthood, and now you have a child who's in emotional childhood, you can give them the gifts that you weren't given. And then in that process, you can be healing your inner child and you can be healing the ego and healing the wounds that had nothing to do with you by not passing them forward. Please let me know. Email me at coachingkelly at and tell me how this resonated with you. I love you and I'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again you can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really want to fill up my love cup send me an email of what your aha was what your click was what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening i want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home And to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.